Mason, a first happened this week for the first time ever in this podcast history. Would you like to know about it? I uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was practicing the parody song this week, and apparently I was going a little too hard, and a man came to my door boiling over with rage, by the way. Boil, <laughs> boiling over with rage. I could see it like in his like posture, how mad he was. He's like, he was like stance like this, and he was like, uh, his face like started to get like progressively more red, and then steam was coming out of his ears. That's literally like if this was like if this was drawn to life, that's what it would have been happening because he was standing with his arms at his sides, fists clenched at me, like he like, really just pissed. And he looked at me and went, "Excuse me." Can you please sing quieter? And he said it just like that. And I said, yeah, sorry, and then closed the door on his ass. So, in order to stay in this building and not be kicked out for singing parody songs, which is my worst nightmare, (laughs) to be honest with you, evicted evicted for art, more or less. For evicted for parody crimes. Evicted for parody crimes against humanity, I guess. Uh, which is the new board game that's coming out f- from Cards Against Humanity is Cards Against Parodying, which is going to be funny for me. Um, I pre-recorded the song this week, and mm. I went to my car. I brought my laptop. I brought my mic, sat in my driver's seat, like basically like this, like turned to look at the lyrics on my center console, mm. and I recorded the song because okay. I'm not fucking around this time, but I didn't want the song yeah. to suffer either. So, Right. For all those reasons, we are for the first time. De- well, actually, one other time I did pre-record the parody song, but that's when I was on my trip, and that's when we played yes. it for Marin. So yes, that was extenuating circumstances. For the second time ever, and the first time Ooh. for this reason alone, we have a pre-recorded parody song. Are you ready, Chef? Let's go. I can't wait. Um, fuck. <laughs> One final fucking app of it is on the list. 109 of these where no one gets a little pissed. 109 of these with the baby and the dog. 109 of these recorded in Kohog. It's something very special, and today we end it right. I hope you had the podcast of your life. So take the albums and the movies from this show. Put them on a list, and it'll tell you where to go. Guest friends and parodies and getting fucking zoomed In spite of all the trials we had a friendship bloom It's something very special and today we end it right I hope you had the podcast of your life Another long awesome stretch of just just music Yeah To vibe to Yeah what do you what are you vibing too hard right now? I'm vibing to the strings. I think the strings are kind of the the, the strings are kind of the thing here. Strings are the thing. And that's true. And that's yeah. just sort of the big reality of the situation. Yeah. Here we go. Oh, oh. oh. 
It's something very special and today we end it right I hope you had the podcast of your life It's something very special and today we end it right I hope you had the podcast of your life He went sweet with it. <sighs> it's so sweet. So nice. Uh, I was going to say before the, um, you know, the last verse came in there, uh, I, the, the strings I really like in that song because um, it that is a, uh, uh, and no disrespect to anybody that ever did this at like an eighth grade talent show, but this is a very much an eighth grade talent show kind of song. Damn. You know, like yeah. just some, some, a kid with a, a guitar, you know, singing his little heart out. Um or their little heart out, his, her, there, you know, or someone, you know, anything we know. that's not. We know what you uh, mean. That umbrella. We know. Okay. <laughs> we, but we know. But unless, like, yeah. But, like, so, uh, uh, but it takes a lot of effort to get a, a string section together. So, usually, it's just one person and the guitar. True. Um, so, when I'm listening to, you know, the studio, when the studio version of that song pops up, whenever it pops up, I do like when the strings come in for the bridge there. Um, At the Jewel nice Osco little, nice Southport element. bathroom, mostly is when it's coming yes. up for you. Yeah, because <laughs> you're mm-hmm. you're going. I'm about to go. Well, that's where a lot of things are coming up for me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you look at you look at the fine. We're coming em- out more like. <laughs> you look at the fine employees of the Jewel Osco on Southport and go, get it spinning, boys. <laughs> I'm about to be yeah. in there for a while. You know, you know, I made a, a I, I was able to make a quick stop in the Southport Juulasco bathroom this past Wednesday. Wow! Uh, I had walked from yeah, it was it is finally spring in the city of Chicago. It is beautiful. Uh, it's been Wednesday was a be- this past Wednesday was a beautiful day, and I got done with uh, work. It was a work from home day for me, and so my friends in the neighborhood dropped by our little stoop, and we walked around the neighborhood, and I was like, "Fuck it, I am going to walk from Logan Square." to Wrigleyville to go to the Metro to see the band Squid. It was a lot of fun. You walked uh, all the way it, from Logan Square to Wrigleyville? It was an it was like an hour long walk. It was like a and it was like a really nice night. It was oh, is really, it only, really nice. Is it only walk. an hour to walk from there? It f- seems like it would be longer than that. It seems like it would be longer, but it's it's kind of my preferred method of transportation to get over there. Like when the weather's nice enough, I like to walk to like the music box. Because the music box, for me at least, is very transit inaccessible and kind of a pain in the ass to get to. Sure. More so than like the Siskel or any other more more, more movie theaters. Um, but I was like, I'll, I'll walk over there and I was like getting to Southport and Southport's like kind of in the last, in the home stretch. It's like kind of, if you want to think about it in marathon terms, it's like mile 23 basically. Sure. Uh, okay. And I, yeah, I was walking up uh, Southport and I'm like, wait, now, wait, 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 wait. I was like, I got to pee, but. I don't want to wait to pee till I get to the venue. And, oh, 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 boy! Let's oh, go, Mason. Oh, you I was rubbing my was, little. Yes. I was rubbing my little fingers together, and I was so happy to just to just stand at that urinal, uh, taking the sights, taking the smells. I sent a, a mirror selfie to uh, to Noe uh, in the Southport Jewel bathroom, and it was uh, uh, a beautiful time. It was a beautiful. It's, a, it's about it's about peeing in the Southport Jewel every day of your life. It's a beautiful. 
if, if I never have to see the Southport Jewel Oscar again, <laughs> I'll be a happy man. I mean, I'm going to see it again. Like, there's just no way that, spoiler alert, I'm going back yeah. to Chicago in August. Okay? That's right, baby. That's right. In August? So even though. Yeah. Yes. No, you say even what you're going to say. You say what you're going to say. I was going to say, even though this, uh, you know, the, the, the podcast, our podcast partnership is ending, our friendship will not be. I'm very look- much looking forward to seeing my friend Noe M in person again in August. It's going to be Can't epic. Uh, the so epic. reasoning behind that specific timing of everything is because, I don't know if you guys have ever heard a little, uh, little artist who we've covered on the show before. <laughs> maybe you've heard of him, maybe you haven't. Uh, Elton John is doing his <laughs> supposedly final tour ever. And I am like, well, I have to go to that because if mm-hmm. I need to see him before 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 bad things happen, I need to see him before shit hits the fan. And so I looked at the L.A. ticket price for a decent seat at Dodger Stadium, which mm-hmm. is just such a pain in the ass to get in and out of. Like, no Absolutely. bones about it. Like, that mm-hmm. alone, tr- imagining myself, even if I took an Uber, the trying yeah. to get in and out of Dodger Stadium for that kind of event, yeah, you're you're looking at like an hour, <laughs> just to, get, to yeah. get in and out, yeah, <laughs> fucking terrible. And that's not even factoring in a trip to In and Out. My man, I don't have I don't have I don't have any of the fucking drops up today, but we'll do it. Ready? I'm eating ass. I'm eating shit. I'm eating farts. <laughs> I'm eating balls. I'm getting a double-double animal style. Hold the onions. I'm in a double cheeseburger and hold the lettuce, the McDonald's Hold the lettuce. Wrap. Don't be hunting on no seeds on the bun yes, wanna, uh, on this drive through Order for two. Oh, fuck. I don't know, remember the rest of it. <laughs> McDonald's. Just try to get a YouTube. McDonald's wrap Taco Bell. Someone goes to Taco Bell to do it instead. Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> uh, sir, this is a Taco Bell. We need you to place your order. Funny shit, man. That's funny shit. To funny me. shit. Anyway, yeah. the oh, an okay ticket for a Dodger yeah. Stadium Elton John experience resale fifteen hundred dollars minimum. Minimum. Are you kidding me? I'm not. Are kidding you kidding you. me? That's fucking. That is real. That was on. Was there either you know probably on SeatGeek you might be able to get something you know maybe better, but like on like Ticketmaster and like StubHub and all that shit. Fifteen hundred dollar uh-huh. minimum for a like not even like great seat like in a decent seat for like a good Holy seat twenty five hundred minimum. So I said to myself, if that's what it would cost to do it in L.A., why don't I just go back to Chicago and make a whole fucking like week out of it? Basically, yeah, you know? brother. Put that, yeah, put that money towards, like, a trip and having, like, an actual good time. Yeah, as opposed to being pissed that I have to go see Elton John at Dodger Stadium. So I'm going to sit on Soldier Field, on the field. Let's go. And watch Elton John perform on one of my days, and the rest of the time, I'm going to be kissing Mason's little feet. Yeah, he's going to be hanging out in the city of Chicago, baby. There is nothing better to do than hang out in Chicago. Damn. Uh, and there's, yeah, there's nothing better to do in Chica- than hang out in Chicago, particularly in the spring and summer months. There's nothing, uh, if you there's nothing come better in- than walking from Logan Square to Wrigleyville to see to, squids. To see squid. To squid. see squid. It's just one? Just squid. Just squid. What the Well, hell? it's like a five-piece. It's like a five-piece, but it is just one squid. What the hell? 
What the, what the fuck? hell? What the fuck? What the hell? What the, Bobby? You're going to see squid? I thought it was squids. I'm going to have to eat out your mom tonight for that. I'm going I'm to have to eat out Peggy. Dad, why are you telling me that? was Bobby's. So I'm like, Dad, why are you telling me that? <laughs> Fucking. Oh, man. What's the other? Is it? Let's give it for Pamela Adlin. Yeah. Actually, Let's give though, it for Pamela Adlin. She's so yeah. fucking good. Um, she's the adult animation version of Tara Strong to me. Yes. 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 Of course. Of yes. course. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But I got some, I've been <coughs> kind of in travel mode a little bit because I'm actually going to go back out on the road again as well next month. That's for right. For a little bit That's of time. Right. So I've been in travel plan mode and be kind of mobile basically from like. April through April through June, like a lot, and then in August that one week where I'm coming to Chi Town, baby, uh, and I'm gonna be doing the real Chi Town experience because I'm staying downtown and I just I'm not gonna have a car, so it's just gonna be just huge for me to just have to be like we're navigating this bitch, baby. We are up in this yeah, bitch. Brother. And we are looking around yes. and we are on the red line sometimes. We're going to be on the blue line sometimes. Brother, we're even going to mm-hmm. be on the bus sometimes, which is crazy You're going to be fuck. on the bus? Hey, you'll be able to jump on that brown line, too. You will be able to ride that brown line, brother, <laughs> and I cannot wait for that to happen for you. <laughs> I mean, I've been riding a brown line for the last 25 <laughs> years, but now I'm excited to put all my training into good use. But yeah, there you go. There's going to be some fun stuff going on. But, yeah, this is... This is Noe's. This is Noe's last ep. You know it. That's why you're listening to the app. Says it in the title. Episode 109, baby. My last ep. When I told you, Mason, originally, it was October of 2021. Now it's March mm-hmm. of 2022. Mm-hmm. We've done a lot in that time period. It's felt like a We've, lot. I feel like, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Carol Burnett, when she was ending her show, the Carol Burnett show, kind of at that show's peak, like in its popularity, she's like, you know, uh, make sure you leave like before the lights come on, basically. Um, And I kind of feel and I held on to like that kind of maxim, uh, you know, just because that's, you know, just leaving gracefully, leaving before um, either, uh, uh, you know, you get sick of it doing something or people get sick of doing something, just, just making sure. Um, but you know, also leaving and having a good time, I suppose. And, uh, man, we, we packed in, uh, we packed in a lot of great guests. We packed in a lot of great content and, and discussions. We, uh, uh, done some of, I think my favorite episodes in this little stretch here, but it's, um, as but it's uh, as my favorite Beatle George Harrison said, all things must pass. All things must all things must pass away. You and, literally uh, love made, so much bringing up the fact that he's your favorite Beatle. You love being like he's my favorite Beatle. I don't like the other two that most other people like. I like the other guy. You love that. You love no that. Dis- no disrespect to to John or uh, Paul, but uh, George is my fella. George is also my mom's favorite Beatle. Let's That's go. A little bonding thing for us. Family so. connect. Little family connect. Yeah, I love. I don't think it's an unconventional choice. I just gotta say it when it's. I just gotta say it whenever it's appropriate. You know, you just gotta. You just gotta bring it up sometimes. My favorite Beatle, Pete Best. Right. That's my favorite. That's my uh, my guy. favorite. Uh, 
my favorite Beatle is actually Billy Preston. You know, okay. the fifth Beatle. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it used to be. It, yeah, the Beatles used to be five. I mean, who remembers when the Beatles used to be five people? That's when they were good. That's when they were fucking good, man. When they were five, mm. there were five Beatles. In mm. Also, kind of weird they spelled their name like that. Uh, I've never seen a Beatle uh, spell its name like that. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Me neither. We gotta go. We gotta get the Field Museum on this. We gotta That's go to true. the Field Museum of Natural History uh, yep. in Chicago, Illinois, and and bug their entomologists. Etymologists? Which one's the bug one, and which one's the the language one? Uh, entomologist, I believe, is bug. Etymologist is language because okay. the etymology of something is usually like the origin of the word. I feel like I feel like I that's see. I think you're, okay. I think that's what's going on here. Field Museum though is on my list. Big sad that I didn't wasn't able to do it last time. So definitely gonna be hitting that. But Mason two Noah <laughs> giving you the blank stare of death right now. Um I actually did I didn't email this question because I thought that would be tacky to be honest with you. For my last episode. Yeah. But I actually did think of a question, regardless if this was going to be my last episode or not, that I did want mm-hmm. to like pose as a discussion question for the show. Sure. Okay. So, okay. ready? Let's go. It's pretty, it's actually a pretty simple question, but it requires, mm. I think it requires a discussion to define sort of the parameters. But here we go. What is the newest movie? That has come out mm-hmm. that is considered a classic? That's a great question. Um, because the definition of classic is so. It's weird because it's one of those things where, like, art is obviously subjective, you know, at its core. Yeah, yeah. But a lot, most people would agree Casablanca is a classic, you know? Uh huh. And most people would agree Raiders yeah. of the Lost Ark is a classic. Most people would agree yeah. fucking, you know, Fight Club at this point is a classic, you know. But you know where, what I th- where does that where do we where do we start the like classification process of a film? You know what I mean? I I uh don't even know right now. The first quest the first movie that sprung to my mind and it uh, it was from twenty ten and that was the social network, and I'm like, can I think of something later than that or more recent than that and then i went parasite my mind all that's my where my mind went first was parasite as well was 2019 yeah Juno's parasite however yeah i think you could make the argument not that i necessarily agree but i think you could make the argument for these three movies that i'm about to say being instant classics as well and you're gonna have to tell me what you think and that's kind of why that's that's where it's where the it's where the, the the juices are gonna start flowing for us on this yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's where the spice is gonna be yeah, flowing yeah, yeah. on this question, Mason. Because oh, I think you could spice. I think you could say that is a classic. No way. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Mason, are you there? I can hear you, but you are not moving. Can you see me? Can you hear me? Are you fucking kidding me? Awesome. Awesome. This is so cool. This is awesome that this is happening right now. Fuck. Are you there? Can you hear me? You're back. I see you again. Do you see me? Yes. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Fuck. You zoomed. You zoomed right when you said what the movie was. So I just heard. So it. So on my side, it went. I think that 
Damn, that's it's a so classic. Crazy. <laughs> Fuck. Hold on. Hold on. This fuck this day. <laughs> fuck, this, fuck this fucking day. I don't know why that uh, happened, dude. Anyway, I you you zoomed for me as well. So who knows what that was just then? I think you could make the argument that Dune is a new classic. I love that you said that because I think you're right. Um, I think you're right on that, and that's that's nice coming from you because you were not as hot on that movie as a lot of other people were. Yes, but me not being hot on a film more or less has nothing to do with it being considered a classic or not. I'm not even that yeah. hot on Casablanca, but clearly that movie's a classic, you know? That was what I was going to say, is it's like, you know, the fact, I think the thing, like, the, the class, the classification, making something classic is just to me, like, kind of everybody would have something to say about it, you know? Like, I don't want to say, I don't know if there's a specific marvel cinematic universe movie that is a classic but just like that sphere you know um sure okay you know you know what i'm saying like i don't like that cultural entity like is just such a touch point and everybody either has seen one of those movies or has something to fucking say about those movies or just like there's a a point in the culture that you like people define themselves based on their relationship or non-relationship to it to a greater degree that to a greater degree than something like Columbus which is I think a, which is a great movie but like your mom's not gonna know what that is but she's gonna know fucking Iron Man or something you absolutely know? absolutely that's an interesting way of thinking about it I guess when you look like let's go to let's go to our friend Merriam Webster for just one second because I am interested mm. to know what the dictionary definition of classic is and I looked this up last night yeah. There's a lot of definitions. But the one mm-hmm. that to me stood out as being the like most, you know, like I guess maybe this is maybe this is a different pulling from a different source, but there's judged over a period of time to be the highest quality and outstanding of its kind. That's the first definition for an adjective. Yeah. For a noun, yeah. a work of art of re- a work of art of recognized and established value, which is probably the like the most classic definition of classic, I guess, to be honest yeah, yeah, with you. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. there is, I think, an argument to be made that newer movies could be instant classics in that way, regardless yeah. if you personally vibe with it or not. Did I vibe with right. Dune? With Dunk? <laughs> Did I vibe with Dunk? Dunk not, part one. <laughs> Dunk part one? Not really. But I appreciate yeah. the fact that a lot of people really did, but also a lot yeah. of people really didn't as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. So yeah. there's that element of it as well. And you know what actually got me thinking about this question was the fact that Criterion, as of this recording, which is Sunday, May t- March 20th, they announced mm. that the worst person in the world is going to get a Criterion release in June. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I was I, kind of I re- shocked by, to be honest with you. I honestly was a little bit too. It kind of makes it makes sense in hindsight. I wouldn't have called it necessarily. Um, it is like, uh, I well, I feel like have they put out other Joaquin Trier movies? I don't think Not so. Not to my knowledge. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, it's worth it. Like I saw when when that announcement came. Of course, like you know, I was I was scrolling through Twitter and just the. It, 
people have left the, the 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 art whether or not it like the the cover art whether or not it deserves to be in there is is outside of the point but it, it is kind of like whenever something does get put into the criterion collection and it came like in the same like like i think bundle with like pink flamingos yes and shaft um yeah. which i was like oh shit hell yeah that's so cool like it almost didn't register that because i they do put like you know parasites in the criterion collection you know they will put like kind of newer yeah um Gems. stuff in it gems gems of course our beloved gems um and it is just like kind of worth it to remember that like you know criterion is a a brand it, yes. it, it there's like it there there is something of like it, it does because of its I, I i think that it is um uh i don't necessarily disagree that they're not a canon maker so to speak but i definitely think that the like something being in the criterion collection is like a it, it, it signifies something even if it is ultimately like they're a business and they're making business decisions sure um and like kind of you know it, it's worth it to think about it that way i I saw Worst Person in the World fairly recently, and it really, I really vibe with it. It, um, and it's kind of the thing where, like, for for a certain point, like in my early to mid twenties, I would watch um, Francis Ha every year, basically until I became the age that Francis was uh, oh, wow. yeah. in that movie, which, which is twenty seven, just to kind of be like, because that movie's also about like a young woman who doesn't know what to do with her life um and it has like i think a little like it, its energy is slightly different than worst person in the world and i can kind of see and you made you made this point in your letterbox review that like this might worst person in the world i could see being a touch point movie for me as i like either eclipse the age of the protagonist like get closer to the age of oxel her her boyfriend um you know just it it feels like the kind of it like it captures like this particular i think uh, uh, moment in a a, a a person, you know, and I, I, I really, I really vibe with that movie a lot. I like that movie quite a bit. Uh, it was, it wasn't my, yeah, I like that movie quite a bit. I was just uh, shocked to see to it say. get a fucking Criterion release. But, yes, to be honest but, with you, I was like, yes, really, yes, that's yes, yes. really seems really soon. But it got me thinking, how soon until something comes out do we have to consider it a classic? Our friend I think, Thomas S. told us he wasn't going to listen yeah. to Donda until 2025. So yeah. is it is that how long something needs to be until it's not considered new anymore? Like, it was just one of those yeah. things I'd been thinking about. I have a short list of things that I think are newer that could be considered classics. Do you want me to share that list with you real quick? Yes, I ha- I share the list, and then I have just uh, I'm going to hold on to a point that I that I that I thought of here. But please share the list with All me. Right. So from least recent to most recent, Greta yeah. Gerwig's Lady Bird. There I think go. that's a classic at this point. I do. Uh-huh. I actually do. To be honest with you, in terms of the coming of age film, Jordan Peele's Get Out, I think is a yes. new classic. Yes, I think that is. That's, and the thing with, yeah, what were you going to say? And I think the. Th- I think the thing, um, the fact that, like, Jordan Peele is now a name based off of that, like, a, a, a name that you can, like, bank on based on that movie is is something, too. You know? Like, just from Jordan Peele, the creator of, the director of Get Out. Like, Absolutely. Like, that's on the Nope poster, you know? We've kind of talked about these two already, but in 2019, Parasite, I think that's a pretty easy one to be like, okay, that that might be, like, the easiest, most definitive answer to my original question of what is the most yeah. recent film that is considered a classic now that might be it because that's exactly yeah. where my mind went first to be honest with you so yeah. if you want to say one of these movies is that 
I would say it's Parasite, then probably Get Out is probably what I would say is like a 1B. It's like a 1A, 1B yeah. type situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on Gems, I would say as well, is kind of in that absolutely. sphere as well. It also got a very yeah, early on Criterion release. Uh, then, if you want to get really, really tricky with the definition of classic, Dune, the worst person in the world, and even as recent as this month, Mason, is mm-hmm. Matt Reeves's The Batman an instant classic? I, it's too early. I think so. It's you know too what? Early. I, I don't know because honestly, when you posed that question for me, my brain said The Batman. I'm like, no. Sure. Let's not get ahead of yourself here, bud. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of yourself here. Um, I the, the point that I wanted to make was I think one sort of um, I think it, you know in back in the day, like when a Star Wars or a Jaws or something would come out, it would like those movies would like stick in the culture through different channels than we have now necessarily. Like it would be either like it, just one example would be like a Saturday night live spoof or like spoofs sure. in other mo- or like references or in other movies. Nowadays, I think the mark of a classic is, is how, and forgive me for putting it this way, but it's, but how memeable a movie is, sure. you know, yeah. like people are still making, like you still see like, um, uh, how bling, like as a reaction gift to yeah. things sometimes. Um, uh, uh, I think, you know, worst person in the world, you don't quite see it, but it does have yet. I don't know. Get out, you know, also like just a picture of like big time, like actually still with get out. Like I feel like that movie, like even if it's not reaction gifts or, you know, photo replies or whatever, I think just Jordan Peele as like an entity and as like a creator, you know, that just shot him into the stratosphere. Like kind of like you were saying, where I see the like sweat drip from Key and Peel gif and photo uh-huh. all the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. And who knows yeah. if he hadn't directed Get Out, if people would still even be thinking about that, that like photo thing. But because he has permeated culture so much in terms of a filmmaker, mm-hmm. he has. I'm not saying Key and Peel's forgettable. I'm just saying like he like redefined himself in that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like you can uh, it's now I'm thinking about just like kind of other things that would be considered classics, like contemporary classics. I think I think you should leave as as a contemporary classic. Absolutely. Um, uh, because one just because of like the variety of just like kind of uh, you know either Tim 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 Robinson in the hot dog suit, being like we're all thinking, it. <laughs> or uh, Detective Crashmore. It's a cosmic gumbo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even care if I die. Everything sucked lately. <laughs> Dude, Crashmore, the thing about Crashmore <laughs> is that the first time I watched Your it, guy. I was like, this sucks. I hated it the first time I watched it. And then every, the second time specifically that I watched it, I laughed so goddamn hard. I was like, I can't believe how fucking funny this is now and how not funny well, it was the first time. It's that the punchline in that just comes so good, <laughs> so good and so quick. And you, you, you're not expecting it that first time. Uh, no. And then it just... It unlocks that sketch, and it just becomes the funniest thing after the fact. <laughs> oh, yeah, I like that gun. That's a big fucking gun. <laughs> so fucking good. Yeah, I think you should leave definitely a classic. But, you know, can we consider The Batman by Matt Reeves, directed by Matt Reeves, a new classic already? I don't know. It feels too early to really say, but in my heart of hearts, 
after a year has gone by, I think we will be talking about it in that way. I think that, no, that movie is is showing, like, a sticking power that's very similar to, like, and I was surprised when Dune, like, stuck as hard as it did last year, too, even though, like, I was probably a little more hyped on it than, than most, and I was uh, particularly, like, thinking it was going to be probably a, uh, you know, a little more hyped on it than most, but just the fact that it's stuck and, like, kind of stuck so so big with the culture um and it really seems to be making making waves is surprising um and i i really do feel like matt reeves the batman is going to have the same kind of effect um i hope so i thought it was excellent yeah i really did i really thought it was excellent and by the time this comes out i will have seen it for a second time in theaters so i am very interested to see if slash when it holds up. I really hope it holds up on a second watch after I kind of know it absolutely what I'm does. Into. It absolutely does. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. It does in the, in the second time, at least the second time I saw it and I did spend 6 of 12 hours in Gotham yes. when I saw it the first the first weekend. Uh the details in that movie really stood out to me like just how um how detailed that world is. Uh and also that car chase, that sort of midpoint car chase uh just sings. Like that's just a that's a beautiful symphony of a car chase. I love it. It is beautiful. Watching Colin Farrell be unrecognizable in that movie is beautiful. <laughs> watching, watching just the movie is so good looking. It is so good yeah. looking. It's like unreal how they were able to make that movie look the way they did. Like to me, I think that is like unbelievable. So we'll see. But I think. The one that we probably can all agree on, or the two that we can all agree on, are probably, without a doubt, Parasite and Get Out for, like, yeah. definitive answers yeah. of, like, a 1A, 1B. And I think that's where my mind, that's actually where my mind went first, was those two. And Parasite's, what, now, going to be three years old this year, and Get Out's going to be five years old this year. I really think when you start to get a few years away from a movie's release is when you can, like, really confidently say, like, oh, this has, like, proven itself to be a classic because of the staying power that it's had. But sometimes, I don't know. Like, I remember seeing Get Out in 2017 and being like, oh, shit. That was way better. A, it was way better than I expected it to be. I didn't have very Mm -hmm. high, like, hopes for it going in, but I was interested because it was Jordan Peele doing it. And I remember walking out and being like, fuck, that was way better than I expected it to be. And it's, like, it might be my favorite movie from that year, like, mixed in with, like, The Florida Project and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's in, uh, that's 2017. I think my number one that year is Phantom Thread, which I personally would still stick by. Um, but I remember seeing, I, first time I saw Get Out, you know where I saw Get Out for the first time? Yeah, at the frickin' Sunset 5. no. Oh. In the motherfucking Cinerama Dome, my guy. Oh, in the motherfucking Cinerama Dome? My man. Let's go. Yeah, dude. Bah, 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 let's bah. go. I'm sucking balls. <laughs> I'm sucking ass. I got to do the fucking, <sighs> fucking flute drop myself today because I don't have everything pulled up. Mason. Uh, Noah. Do we else? even intro the show? <laughs> Welcome to It's On The <laughs> The show about underrated albums, movies, and a whole lot more. For the yeah. last time, I am the funny talking baby, Noah Marger, and with me as always, Hello. Mason M, the funny talking dog. Mason. That's me. Hey, hey. We are 36 minutes into this bad boy. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you want to talk about before we kind of get into the main course? 
Uh, any other appetizers you want to suggest for the table? Any appetizers for the table? No, I'm pretty. That was a nice little plate that you served up there, though. That was there was a little like some tampanade, some uh, <laughs> some pepper, some some red pepper slices. Was maybe that? a nice multi-grain cracker. Hung out with Jack C. Jack Campisi yesterday. Shout out to Jack Campisi. Hey, hey. What's up, bud? And we went to El Coyote. Um, oh sure. And we were looking at the menu, and he was like, I actually just kind of recently ate, so I think I'm only going to get, like, a small thing. And he was asking me, he looked at me and said, what are jalapeno poppers? <laughs> Yesterday, he was like, what is a jalapeno popper? I'm like, that's that good old that's that good old Ohio shining through in California right now, being like, what's a popper? And I had to explain to him what a jalapeno popper was. And we didn't get them, Mason. Oh, come on. I know. Come on, nothing wrong. A jalapeno popper or like a stuffed pepper in general. They're good. That is such a good, that's such a good, that is good for what ails you. Any time of year, any day. I was just about to say, even when it's warm out, they're a good snack. Yeah. I think, to be honest with you. Yes. But they got great, I always get the street tacos when I go there with car, like with carnitas in them. I think those street tacos in mm. El Coyote are pretty amazing. So if you're in the LA area, want to get some street tacos. Yeah. And they're not even super expensive. I think it's only like 11 bucks for tacos. Which you That's get three good. of them. It's How many tacos good. do you get? You get three. It's not bad. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty it's, good. They're I good tacos Maybe. too. Yeah. I. You know what? Uh, secret shame of mine. I've never been to El Coyote. Well, not as a public shame, I guess. But uh, I've never been to El Coyote. Never went when I was in in L.A. Even when I was over at. Uh, just because, like, when I would go to. Um, uh, uh, the new Bev, and this this might come as a surprise oh. to you, but I was very stressed out parking there that I wanted just to park my fucking car and get out. <laughs> you you <laughs> were stressed about, first of all, I'm shocked to hear you I were stressed about, about driving. Something. <laughs> 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 driving in LA Mason, that seems like something you would thrive at, <laughs> my friend. It's not even that long. I always park near the new Bev and walk over to El Coyote. It's only like a quarter of a mile, and it's sure. like way easier to park Do over park- the new Bev. Do you park in the north, like north of the theater, like in that neighborhood there? Yeah, that's I do. usually where I would try to find a spot. Okay, yeah, but the parking rules were always so. I mean, I don't blame anyone that lives over there for wanting to have strict parking rules because it is, you know, like just get get the new Bev crowd in and out as fast as you can. Pretty much. <laughs> like, uh, but I always had such like a uh, uh, a difficult time trying to find parking over in that neighborhood. Why that's not your experience? It sounds like if you show up. Less than thirty mm-hmm. minutes beforehand, you will struggle to find parking. There's just no, there's no two ways okay. about it. If you show up yeah. sixty to forty five minutes beforehand, you can get good parking. And I always, if I can, if I can, I will do it that way because you are able to get the seat you want. Because people are insane at the New Bev. That is the most insane rep theater crowd of any of the rep theater crowds in LA, and people will show up so goddamn early. And for good reason, too, because you want to get those good seats because the seats aren't that comfortable mm-hmm. to begin with. So at the minimum, you can't be that comfortable. Be as close to the yeah. screen as you want to be. I get it. You have your spot. And the concession line can get long as fuck, too. So because it, yeah, I always try and show up around 45 minutes early if I can. Park usually takes about 10 minutes to park. Get in there. Get my concessions if that's something I'm doing that day. That, again, usually takes about five to ten minutes just based on how long the line is. Then by the time you actually sit down, there's less than 30 minutes to go, usually around 20 minutes to go for your screening. And you have your seat, and you're just chilling. You're either hanging out by yourself, just waiting it out, or you're with your friend. So 
So that's the move. <laughs> that's the move. That's uh, that's uh, Noe's tips for LA living. Uh, thank you. I should uh, fucking... Here's the the special. Yeah, there should be. What's the theme? What's the theme song to Noe's tips for LA living? Everybody's talking at me. I ain't even worth this saying. Waiting for concessions at the new Bev. Ever waiting for concessions in this line. How about that? There we go. There we go. That's it. Let's go. Mason, you ready for the you ready for the the, the entree, the main entree? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So, Noe. Yeah. Mason and I were talking about what the fuck are we going to do on this episode? Because to just mm. review another set of album and movies would feel sort of Lackluster, I think we both agreed. Unser- unceremonious. Unceremonious. Definitely. Definitely unceremonious. So I suggested to Mason, this is my last episode, whatever you do with the show going forward, it will not be it's on the list with Noah and Mason. Exact. Yes. It will be different yes. going forward if you want to do something. But this is the last episode of it's on the list with Noah and Mason. Yes. So... Yes. What if <laughs> I pinned him down and spit on him when I said this to him? I said, "What if? <laughs> what if you dress up in the bat suit and you just pummeled me? <laughs> I, be- I beat the shit out of you, and then you were like, are you ready to, are you yeah. ready to listen to my little?' I was voice high now? on, I was high on drops. <laughs> Get over here, Mason. I gotta tell you about the show. Where is Falcone?" <laughs> Something in the way. He spits. Yeah. So I said to him, what if I go through and name my 10 favorite things that were new discoveries to me through the course of doing the show? Same yeah. rules as we do at the end of each you know, year, every October you know, that we've done the show. Same rules apply. I couldn't have brought it on the show. It had to have been brought on by a guest or Mason. I couldn't have seen it all the way through, and I couldn't have heard it all the way through. You guys know the rules if you've been listening to this show. And Mason said, I think that is a good idea. Because it's a you know, we're encapsulating my experience on this show, more or less, yeah. by doing yeah. that. And for the last episode, that's feels like the right thing to do. So if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know how these work. But this is well, I'm gonna call it my top fifteen. Because there are five honorable mentions. But this yeah. was this was truly so fucking hard to do. I have been doing we this for got, like three yeah. weeks to try and get this right, you know? Yeah. So hard. So to me, this is the top 15. 15 through 11 are technically the honorable mentions, and I will spend less time talking about them than I will the top 10. But the, to me, this is the top 15. Favorite things that yeah. I heard or saw for the first time on this show. I have some stats for you and the listeners, Mason, but is there anything you want to say before Ooh. I name those stats? Uh, um, I just, uh, it, it, I could not even begin to think like what my 10 or even 15 favorite, even 20 probably favorite things that were new to me for this show or just because you've brought on a lot of great stuff. Guests have brought on a lot of great stuff. Things that have been really um, illuminating and, and, um, you know, that have stuck with me for a long time. Um, so I do not envy the position that you're in. And now I'm ready for some fat stats, brother. Give me them stats. <laughs> Let's get some fat stats. Here we go. Like I said, and like Mason just said, this was so hard. 
This was so hard, and the list itself, you ask me tomorrow, it could be different. So as of today, Mm -hmm. March 20th, Sunday, March 20th at 12.05 p.m., this is the list in the order that it's in. But some stats for your bitch ass. (laughs) Some stats for your bitch ass. In these 15 albums and movies, there are 11 albums and four movies in the 15. All right. Which to me, when I was doing it, I was like, man, there aren't nearly as many movies. The albums clearly outweigh the movies, but it kind of makes sense because as Mm -hmm. much as you and I, Mason, love music, I think we would always say that we're more movie guys than we are music guys at the end of the day. Yeah. So there are more there were more opportunities for albums to be discoveries for me throughout the course of doing this show than movies. Mm-hmm. Because the truth is, I've seen a lot of movies. And there's a lot of movies I haven't seen as well. So it just kind of makes sense numbers wise. I'm actually even surprised there were four movies, to be totally honest with you, that ended up making this mm-hmm. list. There weren't there were a, there was a scenario actually where there were only two. But when I really thought about it, I was like, no, these other two really do deserve to be here as well. So that is that. In terms of guest picks versus Mason picks, nine guest picks, six Mason picks. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty cool, you guys. Pretty cool. And then by year, two picks from 2019, four picks from 2020, seven picks from 2021. Clearly that year maybe had the, the strongest overall selection. And then two. You're talking picks. about the year you're there that we were recording episodes, not when things were re- not when topics of discussion were released. I'm like, when did we cover something from? Tw- how did we cover seven things from 2021? Yes, when we discussed these things. When we discussed these things. Two picks from 2019, four picks from 2020, seven picks from 2021, and two picks actually from 2022. Even though it's only been a few months. Okay. And each of those years are actually represented in the top 10 themselves, even if you exclude the honorable mentions. So kind of cool how that worked out. I didn't do that advertently or like on purpose, but it just sort of happened that way. And now, Mason, I have to give my dishonorable mention to the worst thing (laughs) that we have ever covered on this show. If you've been listening, you know what it is. My teenage dream ended by Farrah Abraham is the worst thing that we have ever covered on this show and maybe the worst thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Still nothing beat it. That was episode 41, Mason. That was, I think, August of 2020. Nothing has topped Fair Abraham for me. Yeah, I... uh... (laughs) I really liked that album. I got some value out of it, but I think that that is... it's fair. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> no shit. I even, Dustin even listened to this album and said, I can't believe that these guys like this album. I can't believe it. And I was like, preaching to the fucking choir, brother. And then, Mason, before we hit the list himself, I'm going to need your help with this. We've done this kind of thing before. But these are movies and albums that could not be on the list because I had seen mm. or heard them prior to recording. Had I not, they would have basically been on the list. So I'm going to name each thing. I need you to give a high school graduation single clap for each, okay? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Stuff that couldn't be on the list because I had seen or heard it prior to recording 
class of 2022. As we go on, we remember After Hours. Observe and report. Did you clap? I did clap. Okay, I didn't hear it. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. I didn't hear it. Uh, Wild Tales. Inherent Vice. Oh, it got on that list. No one likes Inherent Vice now. What? I know. Oh, man. Quite the arc on that one. Quite that, the arc. Oh, wow. I know. This this this, product, this podcast about, is about learning to like shit. Uh, Jacques Tati's <laughs> yeah. Parade. Get a clap for Jacques Tati's Parade. 1,000 Gex by 100 Gex. Tommy Boy. Stranger Than Fiction. Blue Jay. Hot Rod. Matinee. Twin Fantasy by Car Seat Headrest. Billy the Kid. Magnolia Electric Company by Songs Ohio or Magnolia Electric Company, however you want to say it. Big clap for that. Maybe my single favorite thing that we've ever talked about on the show, David Byrne's American Utopia. I had seen it once before, but watching it the second time, it hit in a way that I couldn't believe. That might actually be overall my single favorite thing we've ever covered on the show. Last two, Silver Linings Playbook. And last but not least, Brigsby Bear. Those are the things that could not be on the list. So now, yes, and then it's uh, as we go on, we remember remember that one shit we took together. together. Beautiful, and everyone's crying. And as our piss left... We all, we, all, we all stood there watching it hit my shit there. The piss hit the shit. That should be the new phrase, when the piss hits the shit. That's actually what I'm going to rebrand the podcast as, when the piss hits the shit with Mason. It's, it's going like to be a, a cooking podcast. <laughs> I was going to say it's going to be a noir podcast, when the piss hits the shit. That's what I thought it was going to be. Whatever, who cares? <sighs> boy, 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 all right, boy. Mason. Now oh, that boy. we've now that we've gotten all the stats out of the way, it's time stats, to stats. do the list. Mm-hmm. Those fat stats. It's time to actually get into the list. And just for streamlining's sake, I'm just going to read what I wrote about each thing, as opposed to trying to think sure. of something to think of off the top of my head. So, starting us off on the honorable mentions at number 15. This is from episode 57. From January 2021, it's an Mm -hmm. album. The parody Mm -hmm. of that episode was about losing Stewie Griffin in a grocery store to the tune of What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding by Elvis Costello. Uh. This has never appeared on a list for me before. Because in the process of trying to figure out all this shit, I did have to re-listen to things that just had gotten completely lost in my mind. Uh Uh-huh. Movies, it wasn't really as easy for. I actually did have on my list. This is going to piss you off so bad. I did have on my list to rewatch right now, <laughs> wrong then, for this list. Oh, and I just okay. never was able to get around to it, unfortunately, just because you have to sit sure, there and sure, watch sure, sure. the movie as opposed to these albums, which I could listen to while I was doing errands or fucking working out or whatever. So that's right. why there's that's why the, mo- the albums do have a little bit of an edge in this regard. But this is from our episode... When Connor Crockford returned to the podcast, this is Let's Hats go. by the Blue yeah. Nile, baby. 
Let's get some snaps going for Hats by the Blue Nile. This Let's hit- go, yes! <laughs> this hit even harder for me post-vax, actually, because actually being able to go places and have like little adventures at night is basically what I think about when I think of this album. It doesn't hit me in the way that like a Dazed and Confused does, where I like that feeling as well. This is like this overwhelming sense of glee that you're like, out in like a big city at night, whereas like a dazed and confused mm-hmm. reminds me of just like driving around and going to like fields with my friends and just like doing hooligan shit there. Whereas this, it's like oh, we're running around a city. It's nighttime. Makes me think of it being winter. That magic and beauty of like the end of the year, the holidays. There's a really beautiful depth of emotion of how Paul Buchanan sings. He's got an amazing voice, and the production is just super bombastic. And I actually think it was better on re-listen actually than it was the first time I heard it. Due yeah. to the circumstances surrounding the fact that it was January 2021 when we listened to it the first time. So coming in at number 15, a great album, Hats by the Blue Nile. God, I'm so glad that you found room for for that and that it it, um, it stuck with you. That, uh, inc- I had heard that album before. It's, it's, it's an album that I love. I love the the imagery in, in Paul Buchanan's songwriting and just the, the scene, the kind of the scene crafting of it um, and how it does, like you say, just capture that, that feeling of being out in the city, like kind of on an indigo kind of colored night and totally. just like the, you know, you know, you just, just it, the, the, where just the colors are so deep and dark and intense and just like this, this feeling of uh, uh, just uh, kind of like uh, it, the, the feeling that, I love it. I, I want to listen to that album so much right now. Can we pause so I can just listen to that album and then yeah. come back? Let's, let's pause for two hours and 45 minutes like we did on the first episode so you can give, <laughs> so you can give it a few listens. Everything old is new again, my friend. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. got that feeling of just life is so wonderful and beautiful when you listen to it. It's great. How do I know you're either? Boop, 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 boop. How do I know it's true? Oh, my God. Moving on to number fourteen, though, want to make want to truck along here. Number fourteen, this is from episode one hundred and three, so pretty recent oh, episode, okay. actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From February of twenty twenty two, this of course has never appeared on a list for me because of how recent we recovered it on the show. The parody of that episode was "You Take Your Balls to Work, I Take My Ass." Parody of Surf Wax America by I'm Weezer. Going shitting. I'm going shitting. <laughs> I'm going pissing. I'm going shitting. Shitting. Of course, the guest that episode was the most recent appearance of Chef Thomas Serdarian. It's a movie. This is Love Exposure, directed by Sean Oh, Sonnell. fuck. Wow. Okay, when you said that it was the from that episode, that was not the one I thought you were gonna pick. Let's go. It wasn't the one I thought I was gonna pick either. To be totally up, to be like totally transparent with you, because this is a this was a motherfuck of an episode to have to get ready for, Mason. This episode, seven hours yeah, and of I, content, dude. Yeah, and I uh, had the evil red light as the only <laughs> light source in my room, so I was like really on lizard mode that episode. <laughs> Really just real just a fuck you from Thomas. That, yeah. To be honest. Well that's why we have him on the show, is to keep us humble. Well, that's not why I have him on the show. I have him on the show so I can do you take your balls to work. I your take balls my to work. Ass. That's why I have him on the show. But this is a movie that was very challenging to watch for a multitude of different reasons. The runtime is like maybe just the tip of the iceberg. It's extremely dense thematically. There's a lot going on, but I can't deny that this movie stuck with me 
for like a week and a half after I watched it. I could not stop mm-hmm. thinking about the relationship between you and his father, the relationship he has with, you know, every single girl basically in this. The use of upskirt photography as a plot device is so insane. Mm-hmm. There's one sequence that Thomas mentioned that is actually just too horrific to watch and I will never watch again. If I watched this movie again ever, I would actually skip that section because it was too hard to watch. It was like the backstory of one of those girls. And it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah, it's yeah. just like, it's a sing- such a singular experience that in a lot of ways I think is kind of what this show is all about is finding these singular experiences, whether it's sonically or visually. So I had to find room for it, I felt. Like, I was like, damn, I really feel like this was an experience. Is this a movie that I would consider, like, an all-time favorite? Probably not. But in terms of what this show was, I think even in its most original conceit, this is, like, something that definitely, like, is kind of textbook for what I wanted this show to be in terms of shit being brought on. So that's why I had to bring it in, and uh, I'm never going to forget it. Truly, I'm never going to forget Love Exposure by Shion Sono. So thank you, Chef Thomas, for that, I guess, at least. You you uh, you can't forget it. Uh, and I, I, I really hope that it's the Blu-ray that was at Bucket of Blood Books and Records on uh, Belmont and California in Chicago, Illinois for $30 is still for sale because maybe if I can find $30, <laughs> there's a spot for it on my shelf. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see if you, those $30 have to go to wiping, <laughs> to the wiping yes. instead. Dude, I was doing some major wiping yes. before this episode, to be honest with you. If I can be real, if I can be real with everyone. Um. I'm going to move on to number 13, if that's okay with you. My boy wipes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big wiper boy. All right. Should we move on to 13? Uh, yeah, let's do it. 13. It's from episode 38. It's from August of 2020. This did appear on my year one faves list. It's from our second Nina Kramer episode. The parody of that episode was actually the one that made Mason hang it up <laughs> to begin with. He did a parody of Brass and Pocket by The Pretenders. It's an EP by Remy Wolf. It's I'm Allergic to Dogs, coming in at number 13. What did I write Hell here? Hell yeah. What did I write here? Uh, hearing this when we first did was a real breath of fresh air. We were six months into the pandemic, which is really insane to think about at this point. Five little songs that made me feel like I was on the dance floor, running errands, and just generally more mobile and busy in a kinetic way than most, if not all of us, were at that time. It really made me feel yeah. like I knew Remy Wolf and her sensibilities right off the bat. Photo ID and down the line remain my faves, but this is a Maguire sniff. They're all they're all good. Every single song on that EP is good, and I still throw it on and will just listen to it top to bottom, you know, every now and then. And in general, it was amazing to discover her kind of right before she blew up. To be honest with you, I felt like yeah. we kind of had this on the show, and then all of a sudden, people that I didn't even know were into music were like, "Oh yeah, I love Remy Wolf." So that was kind of interesting to see. Uh, Juno is one of my favorite albums from last year and if everything goes according to plan I actually will be seeing her in September in Los Angeles so shout out to Remy Wolf for coming through fun 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 thank you Nina thank you Remy number 13 I'm Allergic to Dogs by Remy Wolf woohoo yeah that's um, it was so insane to see Remy Wolf start to pop off uh, in the in the time since we've recorded that episode, uh, I have not listened to that uh, that EP in a little bit, and the weather's so nice. 
that it's feeling like it's a little Remy Wolf time. Remy Wolf tonight, season. Today. It's real Wolf season. Wolf season, folks. Just getting on the blue line going, Wolf season. <laughs> Just freaking everyone out. And they're like, oh, there goes Mason M. <laughs> All right. Number 12. Mm. This is from episode 56, also from January of 2021. This did appear on my year two faves list. And it's the first Mason pick of the whole list. So there you go. Mason actually came out of retirement to do the parody song that week. It was a parody of I Love You Always Forever by Donna Lewis, which is a song I still Mm -hmm. have never heard in the wild. I've never heard that that song in the wild. That's that is insane to me, but uh, we, it, we there's not the time or the energy to, to dissect that right now. <laughs> I've just never heard it like ever. Like it's crazy. I think that's like the song you would just hear at Target, if anything. But this is a movie. Yes, yes. this is a movie. And if you kind of know what we were covering in and around this time, this is a no shit. This is Crossing Delancey, directed by Joan Micklin Silver, baby. So let's go. Uh, we cover this movie to commemorate her life and work, as she had unfortunately passed away on New Year's Eve, 2020. Mason was huge on this one. It's not hard to see why. It has a vibrancy to it that I have to imagine captures the time and place and mood of New York in the 80s where seemingly anything was possible. And movies like this were considered art house, which is kind of insane to call this art house. But sometimes it'll list that on like the Amazon like genre section or whatever. Uh, Amy Irving, Peter Rager, and Bubby lead an amazing ensemble through the story of a woman coming to grips with who she is. It's a classic coming-of-age story later on in life. It's literally as sweet as can be. It's one of the sweetest movies I've ever seen, and it's one that I think would make a great winter watch for anyone or truly any time watch. This is a film you can just pop on and have an amazing time with. It's just an amazing movie. Number 12, Crossing yeah. Delancey, directed by Joan Nicklin Silver. Oh, man. You know, I don't know what was in the air recently but that movie popped into my mind as i was walking down the street one day and i was just thinking damn like crossing delancey so good amy irving so cute peter so cute i I just love seeing cute people fall in love that's it and that's it and that's what this and you know just watching her come to grips with her own identity in that movie Mm -hmm. is so subtly well done both in performance and direction it's great it's just a, it's just a yeah. super solid movie, like all around. One that I know my mom would love this movie, like if she's never mm-hmm. seen it. You know, like this is just one you. This is a movie you can take home to mom and dad, quite literally, from it's on the list. Yeah, well, yes, and you know what? I I said it on that episode, but that's a movie that came into my life because it was on TCM Turner Classic Movies, and my dad was like, "This is a good movie," and so we put it on. Damn! Shout out to your dad on that one, honestly. Yeah, big time. Big shouts to my dad. Mm-hmm. Big shouts out. To big to big to the big McGuire man over there in the suburbs. Let's go. Number eleven. It's from episode eighty-four from October of twenty twenty-one. This did appear on my year two faves list, and once again, this is a Mason pick. It's an album, and it just missed the top ten. That oh. week I did a parody of Taylor Swift's Love Story. This is Warren Zevon mm. self-titled. Just missing the top ten. But I had to. I knew I had all to right. include this album because, although I am still not super hot on "Excitable Boy," Warren Zevon self-titled hits all the right notes for me. It's electric from start to finish. Even the quieter moments have this just electricity to them that is hard to describe. 
I had no idea that he originally sang Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me, which is just one of the best all-time karaoke songs and just a fucking banger all the way around. And we named a fucking award on the show after this guy. Literally, we have a Mm Zevon award named after this guy. The only reason it's not higher is because, of course, over the last two and a half years, so much good stuff has come on the show and not everything just can be in the top ten. Just straight up. That's literally the only reason why it's not higher on the list. But you should definitely listen to this. It's so good. Warren Zevon self-titled coming in at number 11. Just missing the top 10. But love this song. Yeah. Amazing. One of I one of the best uh, recorded albums of all time. Just just for me. And I uh, I am so happy. that It is enough for me that it is on. There, there is a spot for it on the 15. Um, because uh, I treasure that album so much. And it is. That's. Kissy. <laughs> Kissy. Mm-hmm. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Kiss, kiss, kiss. All right. Now we're hitting. Now this is the big time, Mason. This is the top 10. This is the official top 10 favorite new discoveries for me on the 109 yeah. episodes of It's on the List. Are you ready? You Do you need to tuck in for this? Do you need to tuck your little dick hole into your waistband for this? Get it in there, baby. Let's go. Would you would you put would you put it on the list? Would you put me, would put you it put on the list? list? Put the fucking show on the list. Put it on the list. <laughs> it puts the it puts the album on the list, or else it gets a little pissed. <laughs> <laughs> or else it gets a conditional wreck. If you don't put it on the list, it gets a conditional wreck. Number it ten. Puts low, it puts the movie on the list, and then I give you a little kiss. <laughs> a little kiss, and then I say, "Come here, motherfucker! Come here! Come here! Come here!" Coming in at number 10. It's from episode 91 from November of 2021. Has never mm-hmm. appeared on a list for me. And this was actually hovering in the honorable mention slot for a while. But I ultimately did have to mm-hmm. give it that number 10 slot. And this is from our episode where we both had Austin and Marin on. And if you listen to that episode, it's no surprise <laughs> that this is Marin's pick and not Austin's pick. That week I did my famous Cheap Trick Surrender parody where I went turbo mode, which will never happen again apparently in this apartment yeah. because of the guy who fucking hates me. But of course, this is Over the Edge directed by Jonathan Kaplan. So let's get some snaps going for Over the Edge. I loved so much about this movie, from the great underrated lead performance by Michael Eric Kramer to the naturalistic yet dystopian locations and art direction. But what I love most about this film, what I love most about Over the Edge is the intangible spirit of rebellion and quest for truth that like emanates from this film basically out of every single frame. These kids just want someone to listen to them, and no matter what they do, they can't get it. This film ends in a way not necessarily to reward their behavior, but to show the effects of this kind of treatment from all sides, the parents and the kids. I was always afraid of getting in trouble growing up, and I still am to a certain extent. I'm trying to work on not giving a shit about that shit as much as I get older, and this movie shows that those who decide the punishments are not always having the best intentions in mind for those who receive those punishments, rather what is most easy and convenient for them. I love this movie. Again, just a perfect movie, I think, to bring on this show. I'd never even heard of it prior to it coming on the show. So thank you, Marin, for bringing on the number 10 pick for me, Over the Edge, directed by Jonathan Kaplan. Thank you, Marin. That there's a um, you know, for all the talk that you get growing up and kind of in the wider culture of how Americans have this like kind of rebellious, you know, spirit or freedom or whatever, 
um, a movie, uh, an American movie like Over the Edge, which really does, like you say, capture that that spirit of rebellion and that kind of just uh, eternal quest for for freedom that I think is innate in all of us as as from children, as children even, and as we grow up, we might you know lose it or get it modified a little bit, but to to buck to buck against. Um, authority yep. uh and to you know stand for uh your you know you and your contemporaries to stand for what you know in your hearts to be to be right and good for your spirit um it's one of the best one of the best american movies about about that uh it really is a, is a marvel and the fact that it is not considered a classic uh and i guess in the miriam western definition of the term is is something that should be changed it's really it's really an incredible piece of piece of filmmaking a piece of work um great great choice i love this one this is like i said i realized like i had it lower on the list i had it in like closer to like that 13 slot basically and i was i was writing about it i was like no i love this shit like i love yeah dude this fucking movie so yeah, i actually dude. i actually switched Remy Wolf and Over the Edge with each other, and I just flipped their places. Mm. Remy Wolf was going to be the number 10, but I thought about it. I was like, no, I like Over the Edge way more than I like I'm Allergic to Dogs, just for that. Even if it's just on a purely personal level of like, fuck, yes. Fuck authority. Like, yes, dude. I was like, fuck yeah, for Over the Edge. Moving on, number nine. This is from episode 22, all the way back in March of 2020. I know, dude. When all the shit got crazy, March of 2020 is when this episode came out. And I'm pretty sure this was my first episode when I got back to Portland. Like, I think I got back the day before, like the night before even, and we recorded the next day or something crazy like that. This also appeared in my year one faves list. There was no parody song that week because we didn't really do parody songs in that moment. You know, I think the parody song kind of came... Honestly, I think the first ever true parody song that happened on this show, I think, came the next episode when we did the Demented Cartoon movie because I did an acapella version of Paradise City by Guns N' Roses where I went, take me down to the Paradise City where the... Or the Podcast City. Take me down to the Podcast City where the tracks are clean and the content's shitty. The content's shitty, yeah. So that was the first ever official one, I think. I always considered the the start of the parody when um, you did Sometimes Love It as a podcast on the Brian Purpose episode. You're right, actually. You are 100% right on that. I just completely forgot about that. Yes, you are correct. But there was no, that was before it became like an institution on the show. That was like yes, a, yes, yes, yes. That was like yes. a one-off. I think the that par- was before we knew what we were getting ourselves into. <laughs> that was be- that was before we actually knew how to. That was before we actually knew how to podcast because we're so much <laughs> better. I don't think the argument that we still don't know how to podcast. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, baby. <laughs> anyway, there was no parody yeah. song that week. This was Rocky's third appearance on the show. This is an album. Mm. It's the Mollus yeah. by Ween, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. This was my first true foray into Ween, and I'm so glad that actually mm-hmm. this was. We had covered Pure Guava on the show with Sean Cass from Very Ape TV, but the mollusk is like this little Wonder Ball. Do you remember Wonder Balls, Mason? The candy? Yeah, bro. Yes. Yeah, I love, oh my God, loved Wonder Balls. This album to me feels like a Wonder Ball where you get a little prize inside and even the chocolate coating on the outside, the package as a whole is good. Each song's a little different. And sometimes I love that in an album. Sometimes I don't. 
But I think on the whole, I usually do. And I think the mollusk all feels unified in that way, even though it is so different, which I think is pretty astonishing, considering how varied it all is. The Blarney Stone, Ocean Man, and I'm Dancing on the Show Tonight remain faves that I regularly play. And overall, it was just a great stepping stone to get me to listen to them more and more. I think overall, my favorite Ween album is Freedom of 76 that I've heard. And Mm -hmm. I think The End of Quebec is probably my favorite Ween run, those last three songs I really, really like, uh, which is, I think, the Argus, or Argus, the Alkin, the Arg- or Alkin Road, the Argus, and then I can't remember the last name of that song, but that little three-song run at the end of Quebec is amazing. But The Mollusk will always have a special place in my heart as being the one that was like, fuck, this band is cool. So thank you, Rocky, for bringing them on in a very tumultuous period in American history where I was like, fuck, yeah. I can't even believe we're recording a podcast right now. It felt insane. Listening to The Mollusk was awesome. So that's my number nine is The Mollusk by Ween. It's going to be all right, baby. It's going to be all right. They heard, They said it first. Hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> name a more iconic duo. I'll wait. Ween and It's Going to Be All Right by Ween. Love that album. Anything? You have any other thoughts on that one, or should I move on? Uh, move on. I don't really. I not. I, I like that album quite a bit. Um. Uh. When we talked about the, it's going to be all right. Is the one that like just sticks with me the most because it was like on the other side or on, you know, two years or three years or whatever out from the beginning of lockdown when everything felt so scary, just getting that message so early that it's going to be all right, baby, um, really was something that I needed at that time. And and that's my major main impression, uh, of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's it. I think I like pure, I probably went vibe with pure guava just a little bit because it was just like, Oh, I mean, it's, they're both weird albums, of course, but it just, just how, uh, strange that, that one was, I guess. Um, I would definitely, I would actually say like, if you were interested in going back and re-listening to the mollusk, I think you would feel differently about it now because of how, when we yeah. listened to it in fucking American history, there's some songs on that, that rock in a way that I had, I didn't remember how hard Buckingham green rocked until I listened okay. to it again. That song fucking rocks. Just kind of the whole end of the whole, like, you know, I think the whole album is good, to be honest with you. There's a section toward the beginning that I'm not, like, mutilated the lips, I'm not crazy about, but it's a great track. It's a great song, but I'm not crazy about it. Great song. Great song. Uh, Moving on. Thank you, Rocky, for number nine. Number eight. This is from episode 34, July Mm -hmm. of 2020. And this has never appeared on one of my lists before, actually, so... Some of that re-listen magic was at play. Something happened. This is mm-hmm. a Mason pick, actually, Mason. So big for you right now. Big, this is big for you. Huge for me. Huge for you. One of the biggest things that's happened in your whole life. Mm-hmm. Mason did a parody of Salisbury Hill by Peter Gabriel that week when Mason was still in the game. Yep. <laughs> this is an album. And this is Pacific Ocean Blue by Dennis Wilson. Let's go. Yeah, that was our that was our Beach Boys twofer. It was, and actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I actually do think it appeared on my year one list. Now that I'm thinking, I about think it. you're right. Yeah, I think it did. Okay, so it actually did appear on my year one list, but it, I didn't know if this was gonna actually even gonna make the list at all. To be honest with you, and I think that's where I think that's actually what I meant when I wrote that this never appeared on the list. I think I wrote I meant to write. I don't know if this was ever gonna appear on my list because it wasn't really in my heart and brain when I was making the list. But I was like, I should re-listen to this. It's been almost two years since I've like really heard it all the way through. And I cannot tell you 
how amazing it was to re-listen to this one, Mason. This album hit so fucking hard. I like it more now than we did at the time, to be honest with you. There's this slow, yeah. psychedelic, crunchy, yet smooth, vibrant sound that just hits so hard. And I knew it had to be an honorable mention at least, but after careful consideration, I was like, let's fucking put it on the list. It's romantic, sad, beautiful, and I think a truly singular experience that I feel ref- I feel so refreshed listening to this album. Like I feel like I just dunked my head in the Pacific Ocean blue after listening to this. And I think Thoughts of You is probably my favorite song on the album. It's so tender and so beautiful. And if I could give a de facto Mercedes Valuable Player, that would probably be it. I actually mm-hmm. do think everybody should listen to this album, like at least once in their life. It's amazing. So that's my number yeah. eight is Pacific Ocean Blue by Dennis Wilson. Brian Wilson rightfully gets a lot of uh, credit and attention for how he opened up the pop song, so to speak. And I think, but I think that Pacific Ocean Blue is such a great album uh, and really does capture a kind of um, a feeling of emergence almost um, that not a lot of albums that I can that come to mind uh, that I can think of, uh, I should say. Uh, great pick. Love that album. Love that album. So Amazing. And keeping with the Mason trend, this next what? pick is a Mason. No, this next pick is a Mason pick too. It's from episode nine, Mason, November of twenty nineteen, wow. and this appeared on my year one list as well. And it's actually from a famous episode of this show. Yeah, 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 from yeah. A very this, famous I, episode. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. for some reason, Mason was in the position to pick both things that episode, and it was a Mason extravaganza, which yeah. we looked at each other at the end of that and said, let's never do that ever Never do ever this again. again, yeah. But it happened yeah. one time, and it happened on episode nine, back when Mason and I were both in L.A. I guess I'm in L.A. now, back when Mason was in L.A. No song parodies back then. And it's very strange to go back and listen to the show before the song parody because we were just, you literally would just start recording. And then I would just be like, oh, are we recording? And you would go, yeah. And that's how we would start the show, which was fun, (laughs) but insane for me. Uh, I remember it being really uh, infuriating for you and really funny for me, which is all I wanted to have happen. That's probably true. (laughs) That's actually 100% what it was. And you guys know what it is at this point. This is Clues by Robert Palmer. Let's go. Yes. Ah, oh, man. I am not going to do this, but I could run out into the vinyl shelf and pick up my relatively new Clues vinyl that I got from a used, uh, the used bookstore in my hometown, which I got for pretty cheap, and I felt like it was Let's such go. a steal because, motherfuck, what a great, what a great fucking album. Amazing. This album is so good. With the exception of one song that I think you and I kind of agree that like doesn't really need to be yeah. on the album, this is a Maguire sniff other than that one song. Because ev- because yeah. not only is every song good besides that, every song is great besides that, I would argue, to be honest with you. Sulky girl. <laughs> not a second time, the cover, which I didn't know was a cover at the time. Mm-hmm. Haha, very funny for me. Woke up laughing, Johnny and Mary. The opening is kind of like Talking Heads, but different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it's like Talking Heads, but different. Uh, it's just so good. It's it, it found you now kind of leaves you with a little hope at the end of the album. It was one of the first Mason picks in the show history where I went like, damn, okay. <laughs> where I was like, okay, Mason, you got me. You got me. 
All right, yeah. What yeah, a time. Yeah, yeah. And I gotta be what honest with you, it did smell crazy in there when we were recording. It did. It. I. Hey. I, it did smell crazy in there. <laughs> There's no getting around it. That's just a fact. But no. That's my number yeah. seven is Clues by Robert Palmer. It's just a great fucking album. That's it. That's it. Great fucking album. That's it. Number six. Should we move on? Moving on. Number six. All right. Number six, just missing out on the top five. It's from episode 93, so somewhat recent, from mm-hmm. December of 2021. It has never appeared on a list for me. The song parody that week was Desperado by the Eagles, which is the second time I've sang the song on the show. Yeah. But the first the time first that parody. I parodied it. Yeah. It's a guest pick from Mr. Ryan Maloney. This is Leak 0413 Bait Ones by Jay Paul. He Love, he. love, love, love this album. Sometimes I get scared when people tell me, like, this is the greatest album of all time and, like, kind of seem like they mean it. Because I don't want to listen to it and be like, hey, I actually thought this sucked. Which is more or less what I did on this show for the last two and a half years. But I think it's rare when I do listen to something that someone calls the greatest album of all time. And I actually can kind of see why they think it, to be honest with you. Like, this album is so fucking fun. Jay Paul has this way of making each track feel unique while still being baked in his signature dance club heavy bass with sensual, emotional fun. This album really runs the gamut of like a night out for all the highs and lows of what a night out can consist of. It's a real treat of an album that I've enjoyed coming back to multiple times. I've literally listened to this thing on repeat or like over and over again, the full thing, multiple times. I also have really fond memories of that episode because of all the bits that we did. We had Pitching Mason, which was so fun. Mm -hmm. We pitched you all those ideas for Mace Donalds and Ryan did a great job on that. Uh, mm-hmm. Crush, Genevieve, Desert River, and Stranded in Mumbai are probably my evergreens that I'll just throw on whenever. I hope that we get more Jay Paul in the future. But if we don't, and this is sort of a like one album wonder, it's an amazing one to go out on. We'll always have bait ones, and that's why it's number six. Uh, I had heard that album, or I've been familiar with Jay Paul prior, uh, so I don't. It would probably not have made a, a list of mine that I would have gotten together, but um, just. So, uh, really just a, a, a unique and singular experience, and it's kind of the thing where I think Ryan even made the point on the show that it's, like, had this had, like, a proper release, like, and had it been, like, finished to what Jay Paul wants, it probably would have changed what pop music sounded like for the decade or whatever following. Um, great choice. Great choice. Love it. And I think that, I think there's something to that. I think there actually is something to, like, if this became a radio hit if anything on this became you know like a radio hit or had a big club presence i think it slowly but surely would have infected pop music like for sure i think there is something to that but now mason we enter the top five this is this is the real this is the real shit this is the real real shit this number five is also from episode 103 from february 2022 it's never appeared on a list for me It's a guest pick, and if you've been following along at home, you probably recognize that episode number. The parody song was, once again, You Take Your Balls to Work, I Take My Ass. Okay, sure, sure, It's the album from this episode from Mr. Thomas Sardarian, charmed by DJ Sabrina, the teenage DJ, baby. Yeah. You know, I probably would have had to throw you in jail had this not been on your top ten, actually. Yeah, I. you could have. You could have thrown me in jail for this, to be honest with you. 
That episode was so daunting, like I said before, because the album was three hours, the movie was a hair under four, it's all seven hours, you know, basically when it's all said and done, which is really fucked up. <laughs> Thomas, yeah. it's really fucked up for you to yeah. do that. Don't, if you're listening to this and you want to guest on a podcast sometime, don't do this. <laughs> don't do that. That is textbook what you don't do, but he knew it was his last episode, so he kind of had leverage, so go fuck yourself, Thomas, yeah. <laughs> on that one. This album is like truly a blast, though. I was worried that this was going to be a three-hour schlong, but this was amazing to listen to. It reminded me of pool parties, and actually, in some ways, and I don't really know why I think this, but it kind of reminds me, like, I could see myself listening to this album during an apocalyptic-style end-of-the-world event, and I would be okay. Like, I, like, think about, like, if I was listening to, like, Straight Ocean or end of an era or like wet wedding day or something like that or wedding night or whatever the name of the song is is it wedding day or wedding night do you know off the top of your head I think not it's the dome day. let me i think it's wedding day but yeah. you can do some research on that thank you uh i would be like fine with listening to it in an apocalyptic style event because it is so beautiful and lush and vibrant the creativity on display in this is staggering to me i was never once bored in three hours of listening it is genuinely a treat flew by and I find myself coming back to certain tracks not the entire thing all the time because I don't really have three hours to just spend listening to in a single album (laughs) these days but alrighty then straight ocean a and end of an era are the ones that I really do find myself like throwing on repeat and I can actually say this and mean it thank you chef thank you for thank you chef thank you for charmed uh it's wedding night uh because I actually I bought it on Bandcamp, and so I have it downloaded on my phone. Damn, case, dude. Just for when, when you need it. Yeah. I Like you, when I'm working from home, I love working from home because uh, when I'm in the office. Because you watch porn. <laughs> support the girls. Uh, That's right, baby. That's it. That's it. Uh, but I can listen to music, and I have put on Charmed at least a couple of tracks, if not the whole thing, a couple times I'm working from home just because it is such a uplifting uh, experience. I was talking to a friend of mine who was also familiar with, um, with that particular album with, with charm by DJ Sabrina, teenage DJ. And I said, I really like, and I said it on the podcast too, but I want to reiterate, I would love to have a party and just have that be the soundtrack for the party. Absolutely. Stem to stem, just have a, have some friends over, put on DJ Sabrina, the TJ teenage DJ, you would get not get one single complaint from anybody, and anybody that does get a complaint from would would actually go to jail. Uh, They're out. Call the cops on them. They they're have out. to. Yeah. They have to go to. They have to go to sidekicks instead, and you'll meet them there later because they're still your friend. <laughs> yeah, they're still my yes. They're ex- still your friend. Agree to disagree. Agree to disagree, but you're harshing the vibe right now. Let's go to sidekicks. Let's sing it out. Uh, we, We're doing islands let's sing in the it stream out over. as a duet. Yes. 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 That's what you and I doing, are doing uh, Mason at, at karaoke because there's this, there actually is a line about making love to each other and that I want I want you to have to sing that <laughs> to me <laughs> in a public sail away with me to another wait are you the Kenny Loggins or the uh, or the Dolly Parton it's Kenny Rogers and I'm definitely Kenny Rogers in that oh, okay. situation okay so, yeah okay as long as we're on the same page I had a friend who told me that his aunt was Kenny Loggins maid. Good for her. Nice work if you can get it. <laughs> Number four. <laughs> Number four. 
This is the last movie on the list. This the is last from, movie. The last movie. This is the last movie. It's the last movie directed by Dennis Hopper, which we didn't cover on the show, but I'm putting it on the list for some reason. Uh, this is from episode eight, Mason. This is the earliest episode on the list. Oh, okay. This is from November of 2019. This appeared on my one-year faves list. No song parody mm-hmm. at the time, obviously, because it was the L.A. days and we hadn't really figured hadn't yeah. really figured the show out yet <laughs> back yeah. then. Um, and it's a movie, and it's from the mm-hmm. aforementioned Jack Campisi. This is Hedwig and the mm-hmm. Angry Inch, my friend. Uh, I always forget that you hadn't seen that one before before recording. I don't and, know why. Uh, yeah, I'd never seen it before, but it had been on my list. Truly had been on my list for a while. And I have actually come to like this movie more over time, sort of in my own recollection of it, than I have since I watched it for the show. And I've only seen it the one time. This movie has stayed sort of in my mind since we covered it on the show the one time. And I remember that Jack lived in Orange County at the time, and he actually came up to Chateau Crenshaw to do the recording in person, which was very awesome what and very cool. a trooper. Yeah. Love it. We literally love to see that. Uh, the music in this movie is truly astounding. John Cameron Mitchell goes crazy in this in terms of performance and directing. That moment where they're in sort of like that shadowy void area, and it's just Hedwig and Tommy Gnosis, like going back and forth at each other goes so hard and is like etched into my brain forever. I loved it. I would love to see more audacious movie musicals in this ilk, rock operas, whatever you want to call it. But that's why mm-hmm. this is so good is because you can watch it and go, well, why can't they all be like this? Because then yeah. you realize that's what makes this so good is that they're not all like this. And that is what I yeah. love so much about Hegwood is so singular and so beautiful and like touching, truthfully. I think this is such a touching story. I love, love, love this movie. Thank you, Chef Jack Campisi. Uh, and if it ever comes through L.A. one day, we should go see it live. If they ever bring the, the live version or if they do a shadow cast version, I would go see it live. So that's my number four. It's the last movie on the list. Probably it's my favorite movie we covered on the show. And it was all the way back in episode eight. Hedwig and the Angry Inch, directed by John Cameron Mitchell. Number four. Fuck yeah. I am due for a rewatch on that one. Um, I'm, I, I am due for a rewatch on that one just because uh, I, the musical is back. Have you heard this? The musical is back. The musical's fucking back, dude. Cats, we're back. We got cats in the bag, and the bags in the river, and we're ready to go. Ooh, nice little shout out to Sweet Smell of Success on that one. And breaking, mostly Breaking Bad, to be honest with me. Oh, and Breaking Bad. That's right. That's, That's right. mostly where I was listening to it from. Anyway, we got top three here, Mason. Can you handle this? We, we are in the we are in the home stretch, so to speak, of this list. Here we go. Uh, I am ready. Hey, I'm ready for this. I'm hanging on the edge of my seat. Are you Mason? Are you ready? Hey, are you ready for this? Are you hanging on the edge of your seat? Cool. Thank you. Uh, Oh, cool. This is from episode 81, September of 2021. This has appeared on my year two faves list before. The parody Mm. that episode was of Strutter by Kiss. And it was one of the few episodes that was recorded in the old Highland Park digs where I used to live. Mm. This is a Mason pick. It's an album. And if you know your show lineup history, you know what this is already. Yeah. It's not a surprise to anybody. This is Due North by Liam Kazar. So snap, snap, snap for that. This was my number one favorite thing of the second year of doing the show. And the simple reason remains from the first seconds of listening to this, I thought to myself, 
this guy rules, and I can't wait to keep listening to his music. I first listened to it driving down I-5 to Medford, Oregon, when I was actually on my way back to L.A. to officially move back. So I sort of have that special, like, feeling with it. And it's it happens to be an amazing album. I could have listened to a shit album that week and that been the experience, but this album happens to be amazing. The or Like, driving down I-5 as you're driving toward California is a beautiful drive. It's so wooded and beautiful, and I miss those trees so much. And it just rocks. It's soulful. It's really well-constructed. Each song feels like a really just tightly constructed pop song. And it's beautiful. It's one of the best things we've ever covered on this show. And I still listen to most of the album. Truly. There's some songs I kind of just yeah. skip. But literally, so literally, So Long Tomorrow, Old Enough For You, Shoes Too Tight, Nothing To You, On A Spanish Dune, No Time For Eternity, and Give My World, I still listen to like on a regular basis. And if for some reason you still haven't listened to Do North, do it. Do it now. Liam Kazar has the motherfucking sauce. And he does. I cannot wait to see where he goes from after this. Just because um man, it I it's like like you were saying the song titles and I had like a little kind of blip of recognition in my mind of like, oh like I can like just the song just like kind of played for a very quick period of time in my mind when you said you know on spanish dune or shoes too tight um old enough for you or uh, uh so long tomorrow and it's just for a recent i don't know a lot of other recent albums that i have that uh uh that effect that effect um just really 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 tremendous and uh, again folks if you have not gotten hip to it Put it on now. Stop listening to us and listen to Liam Kazar. Stop listening to this pod forever. Don't listen to this pod ever again. And listen to Liam Kazar's Due North. It's amazing. And I was so mad, Mason, because I was supposed to see him for free at Zebulon. Yeah. And it was during yeah. when Omicron started to spike at the end of December. And I was supposed to get on a plane. And I was like, I'm just not fucking around with that kind of shit. I don't want to fuck up my travel plans. Yeah. And I'm pissed. It was going to be at the perfect venue for free. It seemed too good to be true, and ultimately it was. So, yeah. just going to be have to one of the, be one of those guys that I catch next time because he's definitely coming back to LA at some point. Yeah, he is. And now Mason, the final two. Ooh, Ooh. final two. This is from episode eighty-seven from October of twenty twenty-one, and it's never appeared on a list of mine. Believe mm, it or not. Okay. Number three that we just talked about, Due North, was the first episode in the Highland Park Digs. And this was the last episode in the Highland Park Digs. This was a guest Mm. pick from our friend Rocky Pajarito. The album Mm. that flipped the damn script, you know it, Bromps by Dan Deacon coming in at the number two position on this final list. Famously, there you go. I did not love Gliss Riffer from the L.A. days at the time, but this album changed so much for me. Listening to Build Voice for the first time was so elating and so magical that I wanted to actually reconsider my entire position on Dan Deacon, his work, and honestly, that, quote, kind of music in general sure. in some ways. Yeah. That episode famously features me doing the Stan song parody three different times uh, over and over again. 
And shout out to my Lyft XL driver, Montauk, who helped me get my box back to my car from U-Haul. Because the next day, yeah, I yeah, was yeah. literally moving out. We recorded that episode, and then I moved out of that Highland Park house the next day. Uh, and this album made me feel very alive during a stretch where I felt so dead. I was so stressed and so tired and so frustrated in general. And it still hits for me six months later. Build Voice, Paddling Ghost, Snookered, Slow With Your Horn slash Run From Your Life are your most are my most played tracks. And I even found a fondness for ones that I wasn't crazy about at the time, like Surprise Stefani and Red F. So thank you, Dan Deacon. Thank you, Bromst. Thank you, Chef Rocky. My number two pick, unbelievably, Bromst by yeah. Dan Deacon. Man, I just when I when when you say Bromst by Dan Deacon, the thought the word that comes to mind for me is symphony. Like that's such a Absolutely. symphonic, full sounding album. Um, really, really fucking awesome. Uh, and I love that it's it. I love when you find that thing an album, a movie or something that gets you to reconsider your prior sort of uh, 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 maybe prejudices is too strong a word. Proclivity. But, uh, can, proclivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For and it's like, OK, now like I like this is the the, the turnkey that can open uh, like an entire genre or an entire uh, style uh, style or something even like that. Uh, that is so fucking cool. Love that choice. Yeah, I love this one. I really, I really love that album, and like I said, that was a time in my life where I was not sleeping all having that much. a bad time. I was having a bad time, and uh, I remember getting on the freeway. I said it on the episode. I was getting on the one ten freeway, which is the worst freeway to try to merge onto in the entire world. I'm like a hundred percent convinced of that. It is so unsafe yeah. to try and merge on that. Like freeway. downtown. It was well, it's in Highland Park, so the, just the stop sign. Oh. Thing. Oh, oh my God! Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking brutal. And I lived literally on a street that was an exit for that freeway, so the street oh, itself was really busy. And then getting down there was—it was just awful. I hated it. And that was a time that I was really frustrated and tired. And I was like, "Fuck, moving back to LA sucks ass." And I did feel like hope when I listened to uh, "Bromps" by Dan Deacon and "Build Voice" specifically was marvelous. So. It, I considered putting it at number one for a, for a brief second. I truly, truly did. But I, I respect it. Ultimately could not put it at number one because of what did come in the number one spot. Mm. Number one. I've literally favorite no thing, idea what this could be. My number one favorite thing. Uh-huh. This album uh-huh. appeared mm-hmm. on my faves that year for the first year of the show. It was a Mason pick. Fucked up enough. Mason did the parody song that week because we covered it in Uh June of 2020. It's an album. And if you've listened to this show for any solid length of time, I don't think that this is a surprise. And Mason, your parody that day was to the song Will Do by TV on the radio, which was fitting because the album yeah. that week was Dear Science by TV on the radio. And it's so fucked that I had never listened to that album all the way through because now it's just one of my favorite albums of all time. TV on the radio is a band that I have a long history with and they continue to inspire me artistically to this day. Every song they put out sounds new. 
it sounds like it's the first time that anyone is ever trying that. It's authentic. It's personal. It's emotional. It's satirical. It's ugly. It's sad. It's challenging. And it's beautiful. There are songs on Dear Science that I don't like, truly. But that doesn't matter to me. Because this album continues to show its light when I need it most and even when I don't. Halfway Home, Crying, Dancing Shoes, Golden Age, Family Tree, Shout Me Out, DLZ, and Lover's Day. It's hard to describe how alive I feel and how alive and beautiful the world feels around me when I listen to those songs. And for that reason, and maybe that reason alone, it's my favorite discovery from the show. A bit of a rediscovery in some ways because I had heard a couple tracks from this album. But my favorite rediscovery and definitely my favorite overall discovery, because most of the songs I listen to from these are from that album are songs I had never heard prior of the last two and a half years. When I listen to Halfway Home, chugging down the grapevine to put all my shit in storage and move home in summer of 2020, there was a piece of me that listened to that song and I didn't really feel scared at that point, but I felt more content because I felt content to know that even if shit sucked hard in that moment, and even if shit felt impossible during the heat of the pre-vax days, I was still always halfway home and I always am halfway home there if I really need to be. So thank you, Chef Mason, for bringing this album onto the show. It's a good one, (laughs) to say the least. This is a good one. Um, This is one of the most beautiful pieces of art I've ever had the chance of interacting with, I think. I think this is a beautiful album, and I think it's not really a surprise, to be honest with you, that this is still my number one. Dear Science. Uh, It pleases me to no end that 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 album speaks to you in such a beautiful way <laughs> uh and and such a it, it it's such a generous way too i i suppose um that's been a favorite of mine one of my like first favorite albums i think you know just in terms of stuff that i like i love that i you know bring stuff onto the show sometimes i feel like oh man like is anybody going to really get anything out of this thing that I, that I have that I love so much that I want to share. And sometimes it doesn't always hit. Um, but dear science is just something that's meant a lot to me for 15 years. I think like even since it first came out um, and holy fuck, dude, I just uh, love it. Love it. Love that. That's your number one. And I love that. It's uh, I love that. I was, it's, it makes me so happy that I, uh, you still get a lot of value out of that. I do. That's so nice. They're so they're so good. Even like some of their early yeah. stuff, which I'm not as crazy about. <clears throat> like to me, Dear Science and Forward is the kind of TV on the radio that I like the most. That just like on its base yeah. level appeals to me the most. But there's a couple songs, dude, on Return to Cookie Mountain and that EP they put out in 2003 that I can't remember the name of. I think it's called like Shadows or something like that. Mm-hmm. Where you listen to that and you're like. What are these guys doing? This is nuts. This feels so fresh and new. It's crazy. And then it fucking all coalesces, I think, in Dear Science. It's so perfect. It's so perfect. uh, You're absolutely right. I think a lot of the attention that other, like some of the, the, some of that band's contemporaries get should be given to TV on the radio just because, yeah, 
who who else was doing it like that at that time before then now or moving forward i it's incredible it's amazing it is amazing and mason that's it (laughs) that's the list that's the final list list of it's on the list with noah folks if you were tuning in and noah if you're tuning in to wonder, hey, what should I put on my list? There's 15 great options there for you, folks. <laughs> it's true. And Mason. If and Noah. And Noah. Mason and Noah. Mason, if there's nothing else that you want to do or talk about, I want to read my goodbye letter, and then I want to send us off with a little surprise. And that's it. Uh there's nothing else I want to do. Let's let's do it. There's nothing else I want to do. Let's do it. Let's do it. When I first started doing it's on the list, I did not know Mason at all. It's no secret that this show started on a blind date set up after I tweeted, here's an idea for a podcast for you. You tell me everything you've ever seen and I'll tell you it's on my list. A mutual friend of ours got us together after that tweet and we recorded a series of five episodes as a pitch bundle for Merry-Go-Round magazine. That friend was Carter Moon, our producer, quote-unquote. I called him out a few episodes ago for not actually being our producer, which is true, which is 100% true. But without his forward thinking and friendly disposition, the show would, more likely than not, never have existed in the first place. I had just moved to L.A., and the prospect of doing a podcast was something that I had always had in the back of my mind, but never something I thought I would do, especially so soon after moving to the City of Angels. Carter and I tweaked the show format to what it is now and what it has been since the start. Just kidding. Since the third episode, because Mason forgot to listen to the album for the second episode, gotcha, Mace. Kisses. He asked me who I wanted to do the show with, and I told him, I have no fucking idea. He said, I think I know just the guy. So thank you, Carter, for getting this thing started with a bang and unknowingly making me busy on Sunday afternoons for the next two and a half years of my life. I parked at the intersection of Wilshire and Crenshaw Boulevards, and I met for the first time Mason. We had spoken briefly on the phone earlier that week, and although his voice was distinctive enough, he looked nothing like I thought he would. He was shorter than me, smaller than me, and gosh darn it, he was cute! (laughs) He came and let me into the courtyard of his apartment and walked me up to the stairs in the back corner of what I would call a, quote, 90s L.A. bachelor pad style building. Set before Mm. me was Chateau Crenshaw. There was no AC, another roommate who came in and out who looked like he could beat the shit out of both of us, and a fucking twin bed in the kitchen of a one-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment. This, my friends, was the first recording studio for it's on the list with Noah and Mason. We had one mic that we shared between us, and when we had guests, the three of us. It was sweaty, cramped, and sort of an insane proposition to begin with. I didn't know this guy. Everyone I had ever met from Chicago was into drinking beer, partying, and grilling brats. 
This guy had a fucking shelf on his shelf dedicated to Criterion Blu-rays and took the L.A. bus to the library. (laughs) Holy fuck. (laughs) I do miss taking the L.A. bus to the library. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you do, my motherfucker. I bet you do miss taking the L.A. bus to the library. As legend had it, we recorded the first 15 minutes of that episode with the only words exchanged us between us beforehand being, nice to meet you, would you like some water, and are you ready? We had no plan, no prior relationship, and really no idea how we were going to put out what we recorded into the world. But nevertheless, we recorded for 15 whole minutes. Then Mason says the famous words to me, I have to watch the movie now. <laughs> That movie is the famous two-hour, 45-minute Tarkovsky film, Stalker. So I left for three hours, came back, and we recorded for another 45 minutes. I bar- With Carter. Yeah. I barely spoke. I was sweaty. And I was supposed to talk about a movie that I didn't really like that much with two guys I barely knew. I left that recording thinking to myself... You only have to do this four more times, brother, then you're home free. You got this. But somehow, (laughs) on that final fifth obligated episode, it hit me. I wanted to keep doing this silly ass show. The reason I stayed on to do the following 104 episodes that followed is because this show is fun. Even when it wasn't fun, it was fun. Even when I had to listen to Farrah Abraham's My Teenage Dream Ended in the drive-thru of a subway during peak lockdown, it was fun. Even when Mason and I had to move somehow at the same time, two different times, it was fun to do. Even when my computer died because I downloaded a voice-changing app that was actually (laughs) malware and my seven-and-a-half-year-old laptop crapped out on me during lockdown and a snowstorm, it was fun for me to do. It was fun for me to have my friends on the show and get to know their weird taste a little more and meet and make new friends over the course of the last two-and-a-half years. I think it is so fun and so rewarding to talk about our favorite pieces of art. I think it helps us understand the world better, other people better, and ourselves better. Sharing the things you love, regardless if the other people like them, is a beautiful thing. So thank you to everyone who has ever been a guest on this show. Thank you for your time, energy, and the effort that you gave. You are in no small part in creating what this show was. And we are forever grateful. Yeah, absolutely. I also like this show because it showed me how much I love to podcast. That might sound so fucking stupid to some of you, and hey, I wrestle with it myself. But I genuinely loved getting the show prepped each week, thinking of segments, booking guests, and leading a conversation. It brings me so much joy, and I want to find a way to do it or something similar for the rest of my life. This show and my other show were in no doubt my biggest anchor points during lockdown of the pandemic. A lot of opportunities felt so out of reach during that year, and with this becoming a larger and larger part of my life, it gave me something to look forward to and be involved in that was both enriching and fulfilling during a time where that was few and far between. I honestly don't know what I would have done without them. And lastly, the reason I love doing this show is because I got to do it with Mason. When we started doing the show, I was 22, 
and now I'm 25, which means Mason was 76, and now he's 79. Big 80 next year, Mace. Let's do something Big fun. <laughs> Let's do Vegas, Oh, man. Baby. <laughs> yeah. We went from being total strangers to acquaintances to coworkers, to enemies, to friends, back to enemies, to lovers, <laughs> and now just back to regular co-hosts. <laughs> no friendship involved. But in all seriousness, uh, Mason, I love to give you a hard time on Mike, but it's only because I love you. You showed up every single week and gave it your best, and at the end of the day, I think that's all you can ask for from other people is that they show up and they try their best. I knew that doing this show would give me an opportunity to podcast, but what I didn't know is it would give me the opportunity to make a new friend and a good one at that. So thank you for hosting this show with me for the last 109 episodes and even hosting a few without me. And regardless if you continue it or not, do something completely new or not, please ask me to come back and be a guest. I'm going to say no, <laughs> but please ask me anyway. You are a lovely guy yeah. with a big heart, and I hope that you had the podcast of your life because I did. And lastly, I want to thank everyone who listens, has listened, or will listen to this show. It feels so challenging and so hard to put something out into the world and wonder, damn, is anyone going to listen to this, watch this, read this, feel this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And to know that we had a committed audience of some size was amazing to me. I know that it's not at all about metrics or numbers or any of that shit. It's about making a difference in other people's lives in a positive way and doing stuff you think is good. That's it. I hope for some or any of you that this show was that. I hope that it made you laugh on a bad day, made you think about something differently, or introduced you to something you hadn't heard or seen before. I hope you enjoyed It's On The List with Noah and Mason even just a percentage of what I enjoyed making it every week for the last two and a half years. Thank you so, so much. Love Noah Marger, a.k.a. Noah M., a.k.a. The Funny Talking Baby. That was lovely. Thank you. I'm going to miss, I am going to miss doing the show with you every week. It's um uh it's it's been uh I don't know. I I sometimes I feel like uh making friends and and having fun making creative things is is uh it's uh it's not a thing that comes easy for me. I'm trying to do better on that myself. Um but you made Noah Marger. You made podcasting such a treat something i looked forward to every single week um just what you if you whatever you would pick was always going to be was always such a surprise uh the people that i met through doing the show the just the uh, so lovely so talented um and i think just sort of a a prism of your 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 personality (laughs) your your generosity your um your 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 zest, your zeal, your love of life, <laughs> and um, I will uh, ask you every single week until I die to come on, whatever to be a part of whatever I do next. And every single week until I die, you are going to say no, huh. and then I will be 
seeing you in hell and how it will be a podcast studio and it hell, will be hell is a zoom window with it'll be the chateau crenshaw <laughs> <laughs> we'll have, at least we'll have ac because it's regulated down there that you have to have ac in your dwelling yes right yeah thanks thank you to the demon union for finally getting ac in hell <laughs> yeah, satan finally satan finally lightened his loafers a little bit and splurged for ac central as i yeah. may add not even unit wall shit yeah thank you mason is there anything else that you wanted to say because i do have a surprise for everybody else um just to say you know like noah said um you know i i i do not think it will be long until i am back on in the podcast sphere because this has been something i've been doing for four years even either on this show three and a half four years whatever you want to call it either on this show or with with connor on the barn uh, and I love I love it too, but I do need a, a little bit of a, a break and a breather, um, be just because it has been kind of more or less every week for the last four, three or four years, and kind of also doing two shows at the same time uh, and prepping. And I just, um, uh, uh, you know, need some time to figure out what I want to do next. But uh, I, it, I, if, if you miss if you miss my silly little voice uh in your ears once or twice a week also thank you for for putting up with me <laughs> and um uh keep a keep an eye keep an ear uh out to the ground uh but uh yeah that's a that's that's the last bit of it that i want to say here so um how are you gonna how are you gonna how are you gonna take us out here chef how are you gonna do it i've been thinking about doing this since september of 2021 I knew that whenever the last episode of It's on the List with Noah and Mason was, this had to be a part of it. Okay. So I'm just going to play it for you now. I would do it live if there wasn't a man trying to evict my ass (laughs) because I'm singing. So I will play for you the pre-recorded goodbye It's on the List with Noah and Mason that I think everyone really needs to hear anyway. Here we go. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Enjoy. A long, long time ago, I can still remember how that podcast used to be so vile. But I knew if I talked with Mace about movies and our music taste, that maybe they'd be happy for a while. But February made me quiver With every parody I delivered Bad news on Instagram Noah's gone, it's no scam I can't remember if I cried When I heard that Mason's penis dried But something touched me deep inside the day The podcast died. So bye-bye to the family, guys. Where are those good old-fashioned values which we used to rely? They live right here on It's On The List with the guys. Talking music and movies till we die. Or at least until we say bye. 
Did you listen in L.A. when Mason lived in the town of K? And technically it was off Crenshaw. Did you listen when we had one mic and we squeezed around it pretty tight and every single mother fucking guest had fright? And I know you loved the one with Gex Cause you listened while you had sex With Rocky, guy was on twice And that fucker's pretty nice Oh, but then Mason left for the Windy City And I took some jobs that were shitty That was the (laughs) first time I stopped to think Maybe the podcast died I started singing bye-bye to the family guys Where are those good old-fashioned guys which we used to rely? They live right here on it's on the list with the guys Talking music and movies till we die Or at least until we say bye Now for ten naps we used fucking Skype And it nearly took five years off my life No mortal man should have that delay. We transitioned to Discord for a while, but that lasted only for a country mile until Noah ponied up for Zoom Pro. Oh, and did we mention all this time there was this thing COVID-19? We were all stuck inside. I almost made Mason my bride. Oh, and I moved back home to PDX where I was having so much great sex. And even though the world (laughs) tried its best, the show would not die. We were singing bye-bye to the family guys. Where are those good old-fashioned values on which we used to rely? They live right here and it's on the list with the guys Talking music and movies till we die Or at least until we say bye Doing farting in summer 21 When the boys of the list did have some fun Noah went and saw Mason I'm in his native land It's on the list Was in person again With some deep dish And some hot dogs In the hands They saw fountains And they saw some beans And inside their jorts They made some creams They said their tearful (laughs) goodbyes When you have fun time flies Oh but then Noah moved back to Los Angeles And got back to living in his own space Then in October he told Mace The show might have to die We started singing bye bye to the family guys Where are those good old fashioned days which we used to rely they live right here on it's on the list with the guys talking music and movies till we die or at least until we say bye oh and then we did our goodbye tour a series of apps with guess who had a lure 
Sorry to David Schwimmer, we ran out of time. So come on, Mace Donald, come on, McFlute, come on, doing farting or giving toot. We packed in those bits like sardines. Oh, and as the songs got fucking mad, Mason had to call his dad. Please come and pick me up. No, it's being kind of rough. Oh, and as the last steps came and went away, Noah and Mason had time to play. And this whole song is here to say today, the podcast dies. I started singing bye-bye to the family guys. Where are those good old-fashioned nights in which we used to rely? They live right here, and it's on the list with the guy singing this will be the day that we die. Or at least until we say bye. I met a guy who smelled like ass, who was listening to an old podcast. He said it made him smile real wide. I asked him what it was about. He said music and film without a doubt. And I had so much damn fun that I cried. And on Twitter, the posters screamed, the haters cried, and the bots, they dreamed. Not a tweet was tweeted. The account had been deleted. And the three men I think of with glee, Peter, Brian, and Stewie G, they don't even compare to me with it on the list. And we were singing bye-bye to the family guys. Where are those good old-fashioned values on which we used to rely? They live right here on it's on the list with the guys talking music and movies till we die. Or at least until we say bye. We were singing bye-bye to the family guys. Where are those good old-fashioned values which we used to rely? They live right here on it's on the list with the guys. Talking music and movies till we die. Or at least until we say bye. Thank you, Chef. <laughs> Mason. <laughs> Noah. I love you, my friend. Noah. Yes. I love you, my friend. Good luck in your your future endeavors. <laughs> I'm. It's going to be. Uh, it's. Uh, uh, I'm so excited to see what you do with your time now that you don't have to prep for a podcast <laughs> every week. Um, but I love you, buddy. This has been a. This has been um, uh, uh, a real a treat, a pleasure, an honor. Um, the highlight, a highlight. 
Um, I could not imagine getting through pandemic the last, even the last two years without, without this. Um, so love you, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you for doing this show with me for the last two and a half years. And, uh, I think we just, I think we just say goodbye. The family guys say goodbye. Family guys say goodbye. Um, folks, tell someone you love them this week. Do something you love this week. Start a podcast with a friend or maybe with someone you don't even know because you possibly don't know where a stranger, it, it will take yeah. you. Possibly a stranger. Possibly a stranger. If you have a even if if you live in a penthouse or you live in a smelly one bedroom that you share with your cousin, um just just go out and just go out and do it and make it and and have fun. Um and uh that's it. Thank you so much for for listening everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks everyone. Bye.